Okay, this is the Farther Than Bench with Nico Bryan and Jimmy, Jimmy Pilato. This week we have NBA agents, the, the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Bryan. Yes! And we have the Birdman, Chris Birdman Anderson. <laughs> we bullshit with each other a lot. You're going to love this episode, I guarantee you. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social medias, at FEOTVPod on Instagram and Twitter. Um, be sure to tag us and everything. We even have a giveaway at the end of the episode, so stay tuned in for that. Um, let's let's get it. I don't want to waste y'all's time. Let's get it. The champ is here. The champ is here. Let's go. That was we're, we're live. We're live. Wait, okay. Them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the far end of the bench. We have my father, Mark Bryant, uh, NBA agent, uh, many different accolades, and then we have the uh, 2013 NBA champ and the uh, 2018 Big Three champion, Chris the Birdman Anderson. Welcome, welcome aboard, guys. Thanks for having me. Do you think that was a sufficient introduction? No. But we can keep rolling because it's recording. I mean, if you if you want me to shoot shoot shit with you, I mean, we could we could start off talking about your 2005 dunk contest. I don't. To be honest, which one was that? Was that the D- one in LA when I got robbed, and then I didn't want to do it from there on, and then I ended up doing another one, and I didn't want to be there. So that's the one you're talking about. Yeah, the, the, the one, one I didn't want to be there is the one you're talking about. No, the one where your hair was going straight up. The one where your hair yeah. was everywhere. That one was and in you LA. Missed nine dunks in a row. No, that was in LA. Mm-hmm. No, it was here. It was here. So that's not that's no. I know. We're talking about yeah. this one. Yeah. My hair wasn't everywhere in that one. You had long, you had a mop I had long hair. hair. You I didn't have it like the way I had in an L.A. dunk contest. Okay. That's fair. Okay, so. Yeah. Get the let, questions. Let, here we go. Let, let's, let's go back to that. What was the thought process? What was the original dunk that you had in place during that? If you oh, remember. The original thought process was I was going fishing <laughs> with my, my buddies down in Texas. No, no BS. I had already chartered a, a fishing trip and was going to go fishing. But I was offered a substantial amount of money to represent the New Orleans Hornets in that dunk contest, and I was, I was, I was begged to do it, so I did it. And you, didn't it cross your mind the certain dunks you wanted to do? I or had just... not prepared at all because I was not in it. <laughs> okay. Because they, they, I mean, it was last. How many days did you have situation. to prepare? How many days did you have to prepare? Three. Three. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was. It was like, well, let me throw some shit together. And that that dunk, like a dunk, cost, dunk contest also included your uh, teammate in New Orleans and Denver, J.R. Yeah, Smith. My guy. Your man, J.R. Smith. He just won his second championship last night with the Lakers. Congratulations, old Swish. Um, he's, he's had a great career. Going back to, I mean, that's a great segue talking about um, your Denver Thuggets days. That, that, right. that team with uh, um, Allen Iverson and Marcus Camby, Kmart, and AI getting traded for Chauncey Bells. What was it like playing with that group? Um, I'm sure a lot of great stories out of that group because I mean it was a lot of characters and you're one you're one of the few that uh, had a lot of great stories behind them. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Thuggets era, uh, I wasn't there for Iverson. Mm-hmm. I came in right as he was being, I, I believe, yeah, traded. The, yeah, the year you came in. Yeah, but AI the Thuggets trade, years yeah. began. What was that? 2008, nine. Yeah, something, something like that. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're playing with Chauncey Billups, uh, a champion. Then you're playing with Kmart. And then you're playing with J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony, uh, Anthony Carter. I'm not leaving us. Uh, 
uh, somebody. Nene. Nene was in there. But he didn't have many tattoos. <laughs> uh, the Thuggest was basically created because of our mentality and our personalities and our characteristics all clashed together. And as they all would say, they said we didn't lead the league in stats. We led the league in tats. So then we became the thuggers because of our attitude and the way we played physical and didn't back down. And uh, that's the way we played. But playing off into the Western Conference Finals with that group, uh, you know, Kenyon's been there before and he really knew how to keep the team relaxed and, you know, having a good time and just cutting loose. Um, you've never seen that side of Kmart. Um, and then when you see it, it kind of just, you know, you just got a chance to relax. And even though we lost that series, I mean, we put up a good fight. That's going up against one of the greatest players they ever played, too. Oh, yeah, when they when they talk about the greatest ever uh, to play, greatest of all time, you know, they talk about LeBron and Jordan, but they also forget to mention Kobe because yeah. uh, I guess those, those guys just polarized and uh, now just, you know, just – cloud over Kobe's name which which is crazy because he is one of the best and going up against him during those finals and he might have got a dunk on me once or twice or made a crazy move and I was just trying to catch up to him and he'd always you know have good words of inspiration to me and you know just kept me competitive against him no matter if it was Kobe or not even though he's going to dunk on me I was still going to go try to block it and I got some of him but he also got me sometimes but it is the way it is yeah yeah, those playoff that playoff run was was one remember. You, the first round, you go against New Orleans, your former team, Chris Paul, Tyson Chandler, David West. Um, Dad, I know you have some stories about David Chandler and all those that great series, seeing a bunch of old friends and things with that. And then that second round, you go play Dallas, play Dirk Nowitzki, Mark Cuban, and all those in, in that crazy town to live in. Dad, I know um, I'm, I'm gonna deflect this question to you real quick. Um, how was it going to New Orleans, um, where Chris played for many years, and then going into Dallas, where it is not always the easiest, um, easiest to uh, play play in arena? He's doing hand signals at me. No, that yeah. was necessarily just saying like I didn't play many years. Ago. It was a year and a half. <laughs> then I was suspended, and then I came well, back. It was vacation. For half a it was so vacation. It was two years. Yeah, it was an unpaid it was vacation. Unpaid vacation. Was. So it was. Um, <laughs> I guess to answer that question, going back to New Orleans, I think was a joy for me because uh, of my respect for George Shin, uh, Chad, that whole organization down there, you know, how they treated us, uh, and Chris returned the favor back down there. So uh, for me, it was a real joy to be back down there, particularly you know, where Chris was and in that particular year and with his career and everything else. And then uh, so, you know, it, it was a great homecoming, I think, for both of us to go down there. Um, Dallas was really fun. It seemed like a very hostile environment. We used to always talk about, because uh, I got to travel a lot with Chris, we'd go in underneath and there was this uh, bar that had about a 30-foot wall that was ceiling to bottom glass. Yeah. And the fans would uh, call him every name in the book and carry on and bang the glass and, and do those type of things. So, I'd, blow cl- I'd blow kisses at him. Yeah, he, uh, he, he never antagonized anybody in his career. And then uh, probably what I remember most about the Dallas series was, I think Chris touched upon Kenyon. Um, You know, we really got to see different side of Kenyon at that time, which uh, it's interesting to hear Chris talk about it relaxed because there was a protective nature around the team and the family and the people that were traveling at the time, uh, despite what was going on the floor being very physical. It appeared to be getting a little uh, 
contentious off the floor. And uh, I, I distinctly remember being on the bus and, you know, Chris in particular being a protector uh, and the enforcer on the team at that time. And so uh, it was a great series. Um, I do remember one thing pretty well about the series. Uh, Chris didn't play one game. I was I was food poisoned. <laughs> Bro, I so, ordered the so same the meal. I ordered the same meal every day. So what happened was he's rooming next to me. I go knock on his door, and he's all get up. His hair is about five feet tall, and he's he's suited up, ready to go. I said, "What you eating?" He said, "Spaghetti and milk and cookies." Yeah. And I said, so, All right, I'm going to have the milk and cookie. I'm going to no. have the spaghetti, not the milk and cookies. I'll see you at the game. So he comes walking out on the floor. I'm sitting across about 10, 12 rows up, looking at me like, he's sick. And wow. I'm like, and he's sick. So I think I kind of motioned him, put your finger down your throat or do something. Go to the locker room, do something. So he goes into the locker room, comes back out, uh, shaking his head at me, ain't going, and off he goes. Well, at that point, I was kind of slumping down in my seat, going, damn it. This is, I mean, it was a pretty critical game, and he was, you know, pretty well seated in there, but he couldn't go. Sparky came and got me, I think, and said, they need you. And I, I came into the locker room, and I started talking to him. But then I was like, I don't want to talk to you. What's going on with him? You got bags on him. What's happening? I kept watching the TV to see if we were going to make it, you know, because tip-off was coming. Pretty soon he looked at me and says, can't go. And he was pretty much doubled over. And uh, I said, all right, make him comfortable. I'll come get him after the game. And uh, uh, he got comfortable, uh, I think, with... Uh, comfortable, my ass. <laughs> when you got a shit and throw up at the same time, that is not comfortable. Well, after they gave him a shot, he was pretty comfortable and uh, tried to get his stomach in, and it was food poisoning. Oh, and next, next day, I was fine. Yeah, yep. Dallas is one of those places where I remember, I mean, earlier in your career when you were with the Nuggets, I was I was fortunate to come out there for a game. Um, I didn't have a jersey at the time, so I wrote your last name on the back of my jersey. Because you were how old? How old were you? Then? I think I was elementary school or something like that. Maybe yeah, fourth that's grade. Age. That's an age. <laughs> okay, elementary okay, school is an age. Eight, seven, seven years old, eight okay, years okay. old. Seven eight, years old, eight, eight years old. Eight, um, we're, we, I go down there. Um, I, I spell your name with an O instead of an E, and I'm getting heckled from fans saying I don't know how to spell your fucking name. <laughs> Um, that, that, that got, that was a, I mean, Dallas is not the most easiest place to play, especially as a road team. I mean, um, you haven't played there as a home player, but I'm, Mark Cuban has that environment there that makes it special for a reason. The reason why they're always at the top of the league, um, they're never really tanking necessarily. Um, but there's, there's so many great stories. I mean, Dallas has always been good to us, I think. What? Because Chris always played well against them. Yeah, because I always wanted to play for them, but... Mark Cuban, you know, was a hard negotiator and didn't see the value in me, didn't sign me. So I said, all right, I'll stay in my end. <laughs> well, we, one of the things we did down there, too, I remember, because you had his name misspelled. We were sitting up in the seats because we made the trip to see Chris. And some guy, you crossed it off. You literally crossed it off on the shirt and then spelled it right. And we were getting beat by... Totally. It looked like a runic letter. Yeah. A zero with a... Uh, I was, I was seven years eight. old, eight years old. But Did this guy's talking crap to me, and we're down by about 25, <laughs> at which point I told him, I'm happy to accommodate you. Shut up. Because you was going to thump his ass. Yeah, I was going to thump, thump him, exactly. And then uh, I could feel it, and here you guys came. You came back and won that game. And it was one of the biggest deficits that I think uh, Nuggets ever came back from, and... Uh, 
I guess misspelling, we shut that guy up, and I didn't have to whoop him. So it was good. Made our lives a lot easier. Well, we could tell Nico, Nico was not in any spelling bees. <laughs> All listeners, he was not in any spelling bee contest. Why, why do you think we're doing this? Because neither of us were good in school to go to the law school or anything like that. I can't write. I can talk better than I can write. We, yeah. you, we, know, you know your sports. We beat the shit out of each other growing up. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're the cause of this, so we might as well work together. To get yeah. out. Are you saying you both have brain damage? Is that what the problem is? Uh, 100% have brain damage. Brain 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 I mean, so going back to the Western Conference Finals, we got hit about a little bit. Um, you you were faced with the task of facing Mark or Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum, both guys who don't get the respect, in my opinion, that the NBA deserves in, in the real end. Paul Gasol is going to be a Hall of Famer. Bynum had some injury problems. Uh, how was it going up against them? Because, I mean, you had Melo going one-on-one against Kobe basically yeah. the whole series, and you were in a tough task of constantly just staying underneath and getting, re- excuse me, and getting rebounds. What was it like in that series especially? Because seeing Kobe and Melo do their thing was was a sight to see, but in the background there's you, I mean, banging banging bodies every single possession. That, that had to take its toll on your body. No, it didn't take no toll on my body. <laughs> didn't I'm, the- I'm immortal. Immortal. Yeah, immortal. The thing is with Paul Gasol and Andrew Bynum, you know, and, uh, and I also had to guard Lamar a couple times as well, but all those guys were extremely talented players and still are. Going up against them wasn't no easy task, but I ain't no easy chump myself. So whenever I faced those guys in, a, in that situation, I always had the mentality of they gotta worry about me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They gotta worry about me as well. But you also gotta remember we were playing on a string as a defensive team that I'd have to cover someone else, like a power forward or shooting guard or a small forward or um, sometimes even a point guard. But that's just the way we transition on defense. So going against those guys, it was it was epic. Mm-hmm. Fa- yeah, sorry. Fast forward a little bit. Um, going into the next year and the year after, Melo demands a trade. Um, you did you think at the time that that Western Conference Finals was your best shot to win the win the title at the time, or did you, did you think it was that window might have passed? Do you think you still had an opportunity to do that? I mean, Miami. We'll talk about Miami in a few minutes here, but. Uh, that Western Conference Finals team, the Nuggets, was one of the most special teams Denver has ever seen. Well, I never really had that mentality of thinking that that was going to be my last opportunity because I'm a I'm a, a visionist. What do you call it? Visionary. Visionary. Yeah. 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 Visionary. Yeah. Visionist. That one. I'm a visionist. That's not a word. That's, Go that's ahead a new it. word that they're going to put into well, the urban dictionary. As a result of this podcast, visionist. it's going to be there. So. I'm a visionist. Okay, visionist. And, we'll try it. Yeah, well, let's roll, man. Um, and uh, what I saw was just in the moment. You know, it was something to build off of and and become stronger mentally and physically about. And now that I've gotten to that point in my career and knowing what it was like to go through it, and to win and lose, and uh, then next year break up the team. It was it was about time for either me to move on, or things were just not going to move any forward. Then it would have ended up like what you're talking about. If I would have thought that that was the last opportunity or the last window I would have had of making it to the championship, and the way you know, life just unfolded for me, it just projected me into a position that I was on a team that got to the finals and won it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when did you develop that mentality? Because it's I mean, professional athletes are special kinds of people. 
but I, I feel like almost you always have to feel like you're the best no matter what. And when, when did that develop in you? Was it when you were playing and before you got to the pros? Was it something it was, you developed? When you, it was it, when I was seven years old when my father left the house and I became the man of the house when I started having that strong mentality position. And um, whenever you're washing dishes in a wheelbarrow with your little sister, and you're looking around because we don't have any running water or plumbing inside the house, I kind of stepped back and was like, man, we're not supposed to be living like this. I mean, I know deep inside I had a, a feeling that I was meant for more, better. So, you know, my obsession was, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to my best ability and then gain more experience through hardships and triumphs. So, at a young age, I had that mentality. And one of the, one of the things that I know many people don't know about you that I, I I've, I've known um, is that you were actually a very good baseball player. Um, baseball was was your uh, first love, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, I. I have stood in front of a youth throwing a 90 mile per hour tennis ball at me many times. Should have been talking track. <laughs> when I was when I was sending you to the neighbor's yard a few times. I told but, you I was taking it easy on you. Then you um, wanted to pop off on me. So then I had to start throwing a little heat. No, yeah. what happened was I'm in the yeah. kitchen, uh-huh. garage door is open. Oh. There's this panel that you're throwing you're throwing against this panel. Don't and I'm hearing right. this garage door. Yeah, yeah, and I'm hearing this throwing going on. And then I come out there and they're running and you're nailing them. You're throwing the ball as hard as you can to that get them was, out. That because I don't have any teammates. Well, I know that. But they were also like seven or eight years old, and I was like, I don't think you can throw it that hard at him. And you said, They're trying to beat me. They're trying to beat me. Let me remind you, this this is also the same time, like I was also seven or eight years old, a little kid, and there's a six foot ten guy throwing ninety mile per hour tennis balls at the garage door while me and my little brother, who's four years younger than me, are trying to sway at him. And he was picking your ass off. They were ganging up on him. (laughs) And then they were popping off. I mean, it leads up to me getting a little heated now. I I want to talk some trash. Well feel this pain. Yeah, he he put some heat on you, I remember. It was good. Sometimes you gotta learn as a little brother. So yeah, yeah you, you basically are my you basically are my fourth brother. So yeah. I want to get, get into that. How did you two link up? Because I I know that you guys have been working for a while together. But like, what brought it? What brought you to this point? Um, there was some legal matters that I needed to attend to. A police officer that was one of the uh, Nuggets uh, officers for uh, game nights um, pulled me to the side. And, suggested I contact this person his name was Mark Bryant and uh, if I didn't contact him I was going to be uh, soon to be arrested so I contacted Mark Bryant and um, how I met him was man 2001 2002 I entered his office with a sweatband on and some sweatband wrist guards on and jersey and long shorts, high socks and stoned to the max. Steven Tyler, 6 foot 11. Man, I was so stoned. I just came in there and said, what's up? And next thing, one thing led to another. You know, he was giving me some some advice and and after that we just really built a, built a relationship over the years and he introduced me to his family and brought me into his family and let me grow around his family and then we became business partners, and uh, the rest is honest, and yep. look forward for the rest of the path. 
He, yeah. he walked into my office. <clears throat> I'm in my office. Said, somebody's here to see you. You didn't have no appointment. He just showed up. I look out there, there's this dude looks like a giant Steven Tyler, man. He's got rags hanging out, doing his thing. I'm like, who are you, man? I'm Chris Anderson, man. I'm like, okay, cool. Come in here, man. So we This was before, I think, Birdman, right? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Right before Birdman. Yeah. He had just got here. The 15, Chris had 15, 15. before Mello was here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was a negotiation to get that number back across. And, uh, yeah, so... I mean, we were just, neither one of us really tried to get to know each other, but we got lucky to know each other and went back through it and had things. And probably one of my other funny memories about that was we took care of our business. It wasn't anything substantial. Um, But uh, I think we had went to a game. uh, Funny story, I remember we went to a game, and I was carrying Brock, who's now 19, and Chris came out with a pair of game shoes for him. I mean, you know, Chris is very to fans of us. Everybody was always just courteous and giving the things. And he handed, uh, I don't know if it's very generous. <laughs> very, very generous, but uh, he hands a pair of shoes, which I mean, that's that's deadlock. Give me that. And Brock immediately was trying to hand it back to him, said they were too big for him. <laughs> and so uh, we still have those shoes and that ticket in that shoe that we got from it. But uh, I think uh, Birdman Properties carries on, and Chris and I have just been blessed to have a great relationship and throughout the years with everything we've done yeah Dad, you were you were very lucky too because before chris came along you were a part of that 96 Denver nuggets team that uh, upset the supersonics you were around reggie williams around the kimbe mutumbo around that great team and comparing that team compared to chris's western commerce finals where he went to um play the lakers and that, like we were saying before um, how would you compare the two because they're obviously both very different paths um, you're both very heavily involved in both those. How would you compare the two? Uh, well, Reg uh, is always special to me. He'll always be special to me uh, and that whole team. Hammonds was there. Deke was there. Uh, Pac was there. Uh, um, Mahmoud as well. Mahmoud abdul Rauf yeah. was there. And uh, the young man who uh, is no longer with us, who came out of Miami, um, who played a hell of a game, hell of a series there. So, um, you know, the league changed a lot over the years. Uh, That was really exciting because that was the first time a one seed beat an eight seed in the five series things. We played two down there, got absolutely demolished, came back here, played two. Reg was money on, captain, you know, just shot incredibly. And we went back there and won. It was quite historic. Um, When you compare the teams... Uh, Chris's team was very physical. You know, I, I have a lot of great visions of him and Kmart, you know, getting it done. You knew if Chris was on the floor uh, in particular and Kenya was on the floor, uh, there was going to be a price to pay uh, because they were prepared and they had already paid the price and things. So uh, Chris's team was very, very physical. Um, obviously, it was very close to me because I got to travel with Chris and you know, Chris family to me, and so uh, it was exhilarating during those runs. The, you know, the Western Conference run that the Nuggets had was great. Uh, fortunately, uh, Chris took me along for the next ride, which was uh, down in Miami for a couple of championships, which was great also. So they were just different eras, um, but uh, I would tell you that I think the physicalness, even though Tom Hammonds would get his nose broke nightly, uh, on purpose, it seemed like sometimes. But the physicality of that Nugget team back then uh, that was loaded down with the talent, you knew not to come put a hit on somebody. Uh, so the next person you were going to see was Chris or Kenyon or somebody else, and it wouldn't go so well. So the physicality was very uh, dominant at that time period. 
how were the two teams different going from that physical Nuggets team to then the Heat with LeBron James and Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade? I mean, how, what was different about those teams? Well, if you're asking me, Chris, Chris's career's just kind of sort of been a little bit of the same. I don't, this guy's never backed down on anything. Um, you know, one of the things that we we had fun with is a couple of records and stuff that he had inside the NBA, but, you know, he had, uh, I think, 17 shots in a row or something like that. He wasn't keeping track of it. I'm a bucket guy. <laughs> yeah, but Absolutely. the bottom line is people would say, okay, yeah, well, those are slams. Those are putbacks. Uh, frankly, in my opinion, from watching the game over the last 40 years, uh, that's as if not more difficult because you have to take a beating yeah. uh, to get to the ball. And uh, Chris constantly would take the beating. There weren't too many freebies down there. So I, uh, Chris brought some of, that, some of that same physicality as seen in the uh, 2013 run. Um, he took a game off <clears throat> for uh, physicality. And, uh, <laughs> Just a little psycho T action way, way back when. But um, let, let's, let's first talk about when you first got to Miami. <laughs> you won 27 straight games when you first signed that t- first 10-day contract. lost one or two, and then we went on that run. Yeah, my, mm. my, yeah. I was still getting in the, mm. the, the rotation. I was mm. still getting to click with the team. Mm. And then I think, yeah, I think we won a couple. We lost a couple. Spark, mm-hmm. and we started running. Yeah, that, the second lar- second longest uh, winning streak still in regular season history in NBA wise. Um, that that team, it seems like that team was was built the year before they won the championship, um, taking down OKC. And then that following year, they bring you in. They bring in Ray Allen, bring in uh, Rashard Lewis. Um, LeBron was not joking around. He definitely wanted that more, and you were definitely Absolutely. a huge part of that. Because, I mean, that Heat team did not have the rebound. And Joel Anthony, as, as, as good as he was his first year, few years in Miami, he wasn't Chris Anderson. He could not go get you a rebound any minute of the, any, well, he, of the game. He could rebound and block shots, but I think the main issue was just catching on offense. Mm-hmm. It was the issue with that hand. And, you know, Joel can get buckets too, but uh, I think it was just the, the, uh, the hands. I could, I could catch and I think baseball contributed to that mm-hmm. just with that hot eye hand coordination and uh, yeah but when we made that run man that was just did they welcome you quickly or was it a process of kind of getting those rotations? oh no guys? man they're all assholes <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're all assholes because when I first get there there's batty yoki night that Shane Battio, uh, Shane Battio's fundraising, right, mm-hmm. is Battioke. And I already made it clear that I'm not getting up there after certain things I've just been through with the media, and I didn't really want to be up there. So, my man, he's an asshole, Mike Miller, says, come on, come let on, it, let bird, it fly, we, Mike. come on, bird, we're going to... We're going to sing. I'm like, nah, bro, I ain't getting up there, bro. He said, nah, come on, let's go. And I said, man, I ain't getting up there. He said, all right, then I'm going to have to do it by myself. And when he said that, I'm like, man, I ain't, I ain't leaving no man down. So I said, man, screw it. I'll go up there. And I completely chopped it up. I mean, just bashed the song. And I'm, 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 I can sing that shit in the car. <clears throat> I just cannot sing in front of people. Especially ones I don't know. So I chopped it up and they they embraced me after that and said, look, this this guy can 
embarrass himself like this and he could be a part of the team and after that it was so basically the key to continuity was you can't sing you can't sing in front of people I can't rap I can't sing in front of people man oh can't sing in front of people, but you can play in front of thousands that you've never seen. watching all that, bro. I can do that. Yeah, so that's easy. That's, yeah. that's easy. Um, sticking with that Heat culture, I mean, like, we saw this past year, the Heat um, were, were big underdog throughout the playoffs. They uh, were able to make it to the finals based upon a team that had four different players who were undrafted like yourself. Um, that Pat Riley and Andy Ellsberg have done a great job. I mean, we've seen it um, from from a fan's perspective, yep. just because like you don't think about it because you just think, oh, the Heat are only good because they have the stars. But what Pat Riley has done ever since he's been in the league, going back to his Lakers coaching days, was he has that culture, that mindset of, I don't, I mean, we're gonna do whatever it takes to win. And I want to hear what your perspective on that was. Because Andy Ellsberg and Pat Riley both have been constantly, ever since they got in the league, have been on top of their game and constantly be putting out like championship level teams. Well, absolutely, they're on top of their shit because it's Pat Riley, man. He is the true Zen master, and um, Andy did an excellent job as well. Um, but Pat Riley, man, ever since he played in the league and they coached the Lakers, you know. Then went to Miami and took his expertise down there and won that 2006 championship and then put a couple more championships in, um, in the Miami Heat organization. So, yeah, I mean, he, they're trying to do whatever they can to try to rebuild and, and put together a team. Obviously, they made it to these finals. And, um, you know, there's, there's already trade rumors flying around, the two trades they need to make for, you know, Jimmy Butler to have – more guys on the team that give them a, a better opportunity to win the finals. So, uh, I mean, what, what the Lakers have done by, you know, adding Anthony was incredible. I mean, you got two big, big stars, two big guys like that, LeBron and, and Anthony, and not counting out the rest of the shooters on the team. Those guys can shoot it. You know, those guys can put it up. But, uh, yeah, Miami and, and Pat Riley and Andy, they, did a, they do a great job. But they, need, they didn't hire me. They would hire me, they'd Michael <laughs> And I'm not meaning hire me as in like on the team, on the roster. I know this is called the end of the bench. It's ironic that you got me out here because I used to sit on the bench. <laughs> but uh yeah, if they would have hired me in the organization, maybe maybe maybe, you know, my energy, my vibe. My, maybe my that's wave, something in the future. My wave would have brought it in and you know give them a little bit more. Hold on, let me see if I can get Pat on the phone. Well, do it. I mean he did say I was I'll too if I he said I was too fan, uh, too fancy. I, I just want to echo a little bit of what Chris said of the organization. Too fancy. We went down there and. Uh, I love you, Pat. Pat. Love you, Pat. Pat called me about Chris, and first thing I talked about was the rebounding. He said, "I know," and then we we got on down there. Um, that organization, Chris. Chris gets to see the floor of the players. I get to see the personnel, and I remember getting in the building, and you couldn't ask anybody. You say, how long you been here? 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 From the garage up to the top, I think the junior member that I ran into in 13 had been there 17 years. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's truly a culture top to bottom down there. Uh, Pat and Andy and the, the whole organization fostered down there. And so, uh, again, I, I can't say enough good about them and the family that they have down there. And 
obviously Chris being part of that family and bringing a championship home. So it was can't say enough good about the, that organization. Yeah, you you're forever entitled, or you are forever etched your name into the um, history books of the Heat. And now sticking with that Heat, I know you probably remember this play like it was the back of your hand. Um, they the the Miami staff brings out the yellow ropes um, around the court. There's a uh, ten, I think it's maybe eleven seconds left. Uh, LeBron takes the ball to the top of the key, misses a three, rebound by Bosch, back out to Allen, three corner, uh, three pointer, bang. Um, what was what was your thoughts going through that? Um, like like we said, the Spurs were literally 11, 12 seconds away from winning another championship. Um, I mean, being on the bench there with Norris Cole, who's jumping out, jumping for joy, losing his mind. Um, what was what was it like going through that um, sequence? Well. A uh, fact check just came in, and it wasn't the Heat history, it's the NBA history. But uh, we got the paperwork from the fact checker. <laughs> now, as far as the yellow tape, you were mentioning when we were winning the championship, or the yellow tape when Ray Allen hit that big shot to tell him to get that rope the, off the court. Off the Santone side. <clears throat> and, uh, well, to be a part of both those yellow ropes, um, was memorable, man. I mean, to get to that position in my career was what I always wanted to get to, and that was winning a championship. I mean, getting to the league was just a goal that I had set when I was younger, and when I achieved that, then it was like stepping, stepping stone goals to get to a championship. And I play to win. I hate losing. I'm a sore loser. And, uh, when we won it, you know, and I don't even think it set in until like an hour after the game was over because Mark and I, I was in the weight room and I had just got a champagne shower and it tasted real funny. And because I had gel in my hair or some shit. And I had, to, I had to go into the weight room because I was getting high off the fumes of the champagne. Everybody was drinking it. And I took a couple of swigs, but I ended up in the weight room just like, man, this is this is real, this is real. Yeah, it, we, it, it was very surreal for me because uh, game six was Armageddon. And I remember sitting with Pat Riley up in the family room afterwards, and we had won that. And we were looking at the pictures of what was going on. And then, you know, as soon as Chris would come, I'd, I'd get on out and stuff like that. But uh, Chris's contribution during that series was unbelievable. Uh, you know, he, he was assigned Duncan and and uh, the banging and all the other things. So it wasn't like he was at the end of the bench. Uh, there was a rotation that he came into. But, uh, again, I was fortunate enough to sit about 10, 11 tro- rows up, and I, I was able to, as I was here in Denver, not as much as I was in Denver, but to interact with him. Uh, I can honestly say I don't ever remember seeing doubt on his face, not during game six and not during game seven. And when I say that, I, I say it emphatically because he's just that kind of athlete that would not allow that in, uh, in into the thought process. And I think that was a thought process across the bench. I think that was a thought process across the culture. Nobody let it enter their minds. And hence that 11 seconds is, as uh, my partner says, in NBA history. Well, I mean, a wise man once told me. Oh, this is me again. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I told you, man, this guy is so wise. He knows what's coming. It's crazy. A wise man once told me, he said, if you're ever in like a situation of extreme pressure, just act like you've been here before, you know? 
if you act like you've been here before, you kind of take the weight off your shoulders, feel a little bit more relaxed, you can breathe, you don't panic. Excuse me, sorry. I just got, my voice is tired from talking all the time. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> Do y'all have a thermometer? <laughs> I got the chronic virus, I don't know what you got. <laughs> no, 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 nothing, nothing. But, uh, yeah, so that situation where, like he was talking about, 67 was just crucial game situation, and I think it was game seven, and we were down two, and I was at the free throw line. And you talking about pressure? They call me Crock-Pot, because I'm a pressure cook. You know what I'm talking about? Crock-Pot. Is that your new nickname? I just dubbed it, you know, oh. Crock-Pot. So we got new, word, we got new nicknames and new no words. no pressure there. around here. <laughs> Pressure cook. So, speaking of nicknames. So, I hit. Oh, let's go. My bad. My bad. When I'm speaking, you relax. Go ahead. This is my show now, by the way. My bad. My bad. This is Far on the Bench, hosted by Chris Anderson, and I am the co host. Co host, Nico Brown. But, yeah, so whenever I hit those two free throws, it's all because I reverted back to what that wise man once told me. Yeah, no, I, I had a tendency to watch him at his free throws, um, and he had always this stance, and for some reason, I would always look to see if he turned his foot. Yeah. And he was pretty damn good from the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, was uh, he had a great shot, three otherwise, which, you know, didn't get a chance to do, do too often, but he's got a couple of those on the NBA book, as they would say. Yeah. But uh, I, I think we both adopted that same mentality. There wasn't a question. There was a question what was going to happen, that he was going to get it done, how he would participate, and what the result would be. And I don't think there was room for any other thought process. That's just what you ran. got to stay confident in situations like that. Man. Stay confident. No doubt in your mind, because fear is nothing but false evidence of being real. And if you make it real, you're just screwing yourself. You know, that, that heat team, like the, I mean, top to bottom, starting with LeBron, going to Bosch to Wade, everyone had that championship pedigree. Yeah. And you were just the one extra piece that put that team over the top, including Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis. Like, I appreciate that, man. I mean, there's so many different much. things um, with that. I mean, I, before I cut you off before, I mean, this story's been told so many times, but we got to hear about the story of where Birdman came from. Because oh. I know it's been told about millions of different times. So but, many times. But I mean, Read my, a book. My, 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 might as well hear it one more time time because it, I, I love the story um, getting to meet your high school coach as well I mean and knowing that personal love that you two have it's such a great story so let, let me hear it one more time you want to hear it one more time for your listeners I got you <laughs> so basically it was 2002 summer league in Salt Lake City Utah and I had a, a killer group of guys on my team for that summer league and we were going against a lot of really good draft picks, too. And um, we went in there at the best shape. Steve has had us at Red Rocks almost every other morning, 6 a.m., running them stairs, running the actual seats at the Red Rocks Amphitheater. And we go to Utah and was just running through guys because, like I said, our conditioning was at the best, best of the best. And the, the nickname came from uh, my point guards throwing lobs from half court, throwing it off the glass, and you know, just blocking shots, flying one court to the other court, just flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
since Birdman came in the picture. Because I think it was after I dumped on Nene, my own teammate, because someone threw a lob and he thought it was for him. Well, I went above him and I banged on him. I love you, Nene. It wasn't personal. But uh, that's, that's primarily where the nickname Birdman came from. It's because I was just flying all over the place. I mean that that nickname followed you throughout. I mean it was it was yeah. It didn't really stick it. I was like Birdman. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, yeah, whatever. I, I wasn't really. I didn't think it was gonna stick for that long. So I just thought to myself, man, yeah, it'll just blow over. Mm-hmm. Now I get in a game and shit. Hey, what's up, Birdman? Oh, shit, I guess it's official. Yeah, I think I think Bird it Man first took official. off, especially in that 2009. Um, playoff run because you were seeing people including myself wearing full tattoo sleeves spiking their hair up all the way uh, people having signs that are 10 feet long of, of wings that are flapping I mean yeah. that's where it first came about not I think, really it didn't come about there but, okay. but it, it first got put on the well, scene yeah. first put on the scene well, I don't think it got put on the scene there because it was Birdman throughout mm-hmm. the time it, mm-hmm. it really exploded it really exploded when I started making it deeper in the playoffs mm-hmm. Because then there's less teams to watch, and then you want to watch more, more uh, playoffs, and that's where it really flourished and mm-hmm. took off. And then 2000, come on, man, you treat me better than this. Uh, that's fair. That's <laughs> fair. Treat me this, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, you know it. I think it was a lot of it was the national exposure, which he talks about. Um, it was cult-like here in Denver, and so that's probably what you guys remember most in your youth. But it became almost cult like here in Denver they were selling wigs that had the hair up in the air they were selling tat sleeves they were um, protect the nest I mean it went a bunch of different ways that mohawk that he kept running that was 10 feet tall made him look like he was 7 8 out there (laughs) you make fun of it only because you told me not to do a mohawk and then I dyed it red too oh they're red they're red no he had a red tail on the back of the original I did not have a red tail it was full red the whole thing only making up thorns the whole day the whole mohawk was red wait was that when you did the Brady haircut also with the curls and no, shit? No, that was, that was a oh, perm. Oh, and a if perm. If I remember correctly, I did dunk on <laughs> Kevin Garnett and who was that with other a big fellow over there? And when I dunked on both of them in the playoffs, I came down and I gave him the first little big big worm. With the perm. perm. Yeah. I hit him with that and then yeah. I just ran back down. Where'd the perm go, man? It only lasted one day. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I ain't ever done it again. <laughs> probably a good thing. You probably never well, done that, it again. You're mad because I look good. That's what it is. Um, He's got a lot of hair. That's a problem. Good. That's a problem. He got a lot of hair. Yeah, I got some style, man. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That. I, I remember the embracing of the Birdman by Chris mostly from that season he was going off, and he came home and had his arms stretched out and had the outline of wings on his arm. I was like, oh, please, now what are you doing? That was during my unpaid vacation. Okay. And then he comes brilliant, and then I get the call after the season, tell me what a smart marketer I am and how good I'm at this. I go, have no idea what you're talking about. That's just him, dude. I can't make that up. I can't control that, man. That's just him. (laughs) Do you get any say in the tattoos, or do you no. show? No, no, yeah. no. Actually, he does because I've been wanting to tattoo my face, and he's like, "No." I was like, "Well, Mark, actually, I did have a bunch of really good ideas yeah. that have really just been." I mean, really... I, I, you're the first person I can remember that pulls off the neck. Oh yeah, or, and you're the first person that I can remember that did that. So yeah. maybe you might full be neck a, too, not yeah, just like. 
little little words and stuff. I mean, I went full out. Yeah. During my little vacation, I went and got blasted all over my arm, my neck, my back, other places. <laughs> he had one, two, three. I had four when I entered the league. Four. When I entered he the had league. some bulldog. He yeah. had some Chinese. My high school, my high school mascot. Yeah. And then I got the Chinese from after I played in China because I wanted to make sure yeah. that uh, I had exactly <laughs> the word on me was what it was. Not, hey, I'll take that Chinese right now. Was it me? And then next thing you know, some Chinese person comes up to you. He said, you like dicks? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tattoo artists are slick, right? They're slick. You got to be careful. You better know what you're putting on you before you put some... Some Hindu writing, some Arabic, or cursive stuff. You never know. Mm-hmm. You know he did spread the tattoo to me, though. Because I owed it, there was two tattoos that I have that related to Chris, period. Yeah, I twisted your arm. When Chris was on vacation, he kept cutting his hair. I don't know why. Because someone told me to cut it. Because he looked fancy. mine looked way. better than yours. Yeah, he no, he looked fancy better. And so the first tattoo came from when he came off vacation like how I say that and that one was basically Chris had put his head down he was coming back it was unobtainable which is exactly what we wanted to hear and so I got the first one as a result of that because I think oh no I think what Chris said was because he kept cutting his hair you have to cut your hair or get a tattoo at which point I said I ain't cutting my hair because it ain't growing no more I'll go with the tattoo <laughs> I knew it was one of those two so hence came the Inconsumente de script from the second tattoo, the first tattoo was uh, Death Will Find Me Alive. La Marte Mia Trovero Vivo. And it was basically what Chris represented. It ain't over even when you think it is. It ain't until I is. And so I enjoy two tattoos very, very much that have a, a lot of meaning to me. One from the championship and one when we came back from vacation. Yeah, I, I remember specifically getting the first one too because we got it before Nuggets game. And I remember going downtown, going into the tattoo parlor, and you told me to sit on the outside. I was like, I gotta, I gotta go get the tattoo real quick. No, that was the get... earring that I ended oh, up with because he kept piercing his ears, and I was trying to stay with his style a little bit. <laughs> I didn't keep piercing my ears. My ears were pierced for life. You had some needles. You had some giant hoops. Or yeah, something. Gauge. Yeah, gauge. that. And so I was like, I was taking you to a game or something, and I stopped by uh, this uh, seedy little parlor. Got an earring. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And Nico was there. Nico was there. These girls were like, you know, tattoo hot. And, and Nico sitting over there in the corner, you know, his feet ain't even touching the ground. And I was like, <laughs> wasn't it like the little, like a little uh, stud that it had like the cross hanging down or something? No, that was George Michael, dude. Get out. Oh, yeah, you had, had that real he had, he had fly. You had that I had fly. Hoop, bad hoop. You, you sure? Hoop. You sure? Because I swear you had that real fly, like, Edie's look. And you were like George Michael Michaels up in there, you know? Might have been, man, but I was trying to stay with your style. It was, I think it was more like you was like Macho Man. <laughs> macho Man. Trying to so, be yeah, so, uh, yeah, so he's going to throw that out. So we go to Cleveland, and I think we just get to Cleveland. We're going to do the physical. Cleveland had just won their championship, so basketball is everything down there right now. And there's no way to hide really him. Not much else. <laughs> so we we go we go walking by the airport. Somebody goes, uh, "It's Birdman and Macho Man." <laughs> so is that Birdman? Oh shit, that's Birdman. Oh shit, that's Macho Man too. <laughs> I said, no. I said yeah, Macho Man's. They thought he was. I macho said Macho Man's man. dead. Shut up now. 
<laughs> hey man, they believe what they want to believe on, on you, social media. You're basically, I mean, all that. you're basically like a WWE wrestler. Like your mantra and everything. I mean, it made sense because having a five foot uh, ten. Uh, Italian with pony's What's his 5'10 shit, dude? I'm You're six. That's Robert, I'm man. Six. He might be 5'10. Grandfather Time is undefeated. Yeah, I'm six. He boy. just slowly bring you back down to the grave. Program, man. I understand his inheritance and shit, man. Oh, man. Damn. <laughs> Attack the heritage. That was, I mean, this has been a whole lot of fun. When you went to the big three, was that because you got bored in retirement? Was it another, you just a competitor, just want to compete? No, actually I hadn't retired uh, at that point yet, um, but I don't have social media. I repeat, I don't have social media. Do that again, Lee. I repeat, I do <laughs> not have social media. Um, so the only way that you know the league would have been able to see me perform again was okay. entering the big three during the summers. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had just came off my left knee, my right knee surgery, where I bombed that one out and had uh, my meniscus repaired and my ACL repaired. And I went into the big three, and a lot of a lot of teams were acquiring about you know my position. They hadn't seen me. I remember here because they're like, "Are you uh, healthy? Are you a hunter? What's the deal? We haven't seen you." Uh, I'm trying to steal you in the second round, kind of deal. Like right. second round, huh? I was, I was, I was a little upset. Yeah. You know? So I got actually picked in the first round uh, by the big by Power, uh, and that was Corey McGetty, uh, Catino Mobley, uh, Big Baby, baby mm -hmm. uh, Quentin Richardson, Quentin Richardson, uh, there was several other guys. And uh, we go off, and I'm, I'm doing all right. First game was kind of a little sketchy because I was trying to get past that mental state of uh, getting past the injury and seeing if it would actually hold up on a, mm -hmm. on a large jump, heavy jump. Because I'm playing at 255 at the time, 265, something like that. I'm used to playing at 245. And it, it held up, and the, the ultimate test was I actually slipped and it wiggled and just fell down. I was like, well, I guess we're good. Yeah. Got back up, and I just started going full tilt again. And uh, and we ran off and won that championship and didn't get picked up. So I went to give it another shot. And then uh, the next season, flew out my left knee with my ACL meniscus again. And after that, I was like, I'm done. Yeah, one one yeah. of the things I specifically remember about that Big Three championship was you had a chance at the game winner. Do you remember? You had a corner three. Yeah. Um, you, I think it was two points to the end of the game, whatever it was. I remember watching on my TV. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to fucking happen. He's going to hit a game winner for yeah, a championship. Didn't go too well. Came short. It was a good shot. The, no, it wasn't a good shot because by the time I was at the peak of my shot, I noticed one of my teammates was under the basket wide open. Mm -hmm. So my initial thought process was pass, but by the time I'm already letting it go, I shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it didn't come off the fingertips that well, and that's when it came up short. Man, I would have loved to see you hit that game right now. I should have just shot the shit. He pulled, he, he pulled down a couple of two game winners, I think, during that first one. He had a slam down that yeah. he tried to tear the whole gym down with. And, I think uh, that was big baby. Yeah, he had a good one there. Um, I think, you know, for me, it was a lot of fun traveling with him doing those because there was just, 
It felt like the pressure was off. You know, you'd won an NBA championship, you know, comes in Harold, plays 17 years, does his thing, and we're just having some fun. And, you know, it was fun with some of the, uh, for me, and I think probably for Chris too, some of the legends of the game. I mean, we're walking around with Dr. J and, and uh, you know, Nancy was just, I, just plain fun from my standpoint for Chris to play with people who couldn't quite get their head around that and the effort that he put in out there brought back another championship so I, yeah, everybody was really good to us there particularly I think Chris continued to bring at all times all seasons, all teams all games, everything he had and uh, he was always known for that always be remembered for that Were the games a lot different from the NBA because I'll be honest with you. Yeah, they were yeah, no, very different. Half court. <laughs> yeah, half court, but like I'm not a basketball guy. Okay. I'm, I'm not a basketball All fan, right. so I was, you know, it seemed gimmicky uh, to basketball fans, but then to me it seemed super gimmicky. Was it, I mean, how, how different was it from the NBA? Well, since you're not a basketball guy <laughs> and you never played in a park in the hood or something, uh, out in the park, man, it's get your rebound, take it back past the three. Clear, clear the ball for possession, or if you shoot an air ball, you go back up with it. So, yeah, that game was completely different. I mean, different rules, different setting. Uh, you're talking about a league of legends, so you're, I'm playing against all of my era guys. And uh, then they, they uh, lowered the, the age uh, limit, and now I'm playing with younger guys who are having a, a better opportunity for them to get uh, seen and uh, opportunities for them to get signed on and probably a 10-day 10, 10 or – signed a contract with the NBA. And was the intensity the same? Oh, yeah, man. You're dealing with a bunch of competitors out there who are still competing um, and love to compete and love that, that level of competitiveness. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was, it was no, like, you know, Nobody a, was just a charity game, yeah. you know, where you're just having fun. No, you were out there to win. And yeah, for normal basketball know. fans, I mean, it's 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 like going back to, like, playing at recess in, in, in elementary school, middle school. Like, you play with your buddies, you got two here, you got two of your friends, you find Play three other friends. Exactly. You I mean, it's, it's, it, it brings back the um, childish, not child, like childish in a bad way, but, like, childish memories of, like, playing with all your buddies growing up, and now you're playing with some of the best players that – are at the end of their careers, and you get to see players like you, players like Mahmoud, who our generation didn't necessarily get to see, and then players like Steven Jackson, and, and Chauncey was there as well. Like, there's so many great players that, I mean, the younger generation didn't get to watch. I got, I was able to watch because I've been a basketball fan forever, but, I mean, that, it has brought a lot of exposure to a lot of these other great athletes yeah. that people completely forget about. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides that, before before we let go, I do want to do a lightning round with you. Just just quick questions, um, just quick answers. Okay. Uh, just, I'll just quick rattle answers. rattle them off and just Let's whatever see where it comes goes. Time. Okay. Let's see where it goes. Um, first person, the when you came in the league that gave you the hardest time defense or on the offensive end. I was playing like, defense. You were playing defense, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq. Yeah. Okay. But I was never scared. Okay. Okay. Um, favorite arena you played in. American Airlines Arena in Miami. Miami, okay. Um, favorite uh, play of your career, like thing, thing that you were part of? Play? It's tough to just pick out play. Um, but a game where I had nine blocks here in, in Denver. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like it was back in my hand, man. Mm-hmm. I was wanting you to get that 10th one so bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, biggest influence of your career? Well, it be athlete. Mark Bryant. <laughs> okay. Um... Favorite opponent to constantly go against and battle against? 
Indians all the time. I had to be Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, uh, favorite road. Actually, I have two more. Favorite road teammate, like teammate that to hang out with on the on the road and just mess around with. <clears throat> Anthony Carter. AC. I'm a road dog. Mm-hmm. And then finally, describe the championship, the 2013 NBA Finals, in one word. One word. One word. Inevitable. Inevitable. That was that was that was, Dang, that that was, was pretty really good. good. That was yeah. Pretty good. Wow. I know oh. I shouldn't prep you at all, man. He's going to nail that stuff. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, it, it, you know, for me, it's just fun to watch Chris do these answers. Um, I got all of them, but the last one, because his vocabulary uh, and uh, preciseness with that delivery, I, if you just sat here and I had to try to script that, that's that's a microchism. You like that word, right? I do. I love that word. Uh, that's a microchism of the Chris Anderson, the Birdman. Because that has been his attitude, I think, since age seven forward, uh, and that's how I've always experienced him, and always will experience him. I, mean, I just look like this. Mm-hmm. What's in my mind? It's scary. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> we're not, yeah, frightening we're not might be the right adjective for that. Frightening. Yeah. You um, don't know if it's good or bad. But. It's a totally different mindset. I mean, um, known Chris personally, professionally, and now as my partner. Uh, this mindset doesn't exist. It just, and uh, you can't build it, you can't teach it, uh, you can't acquire it. You either do or you don't. And uh, Chris has always been one of those guys, once he recognized what he was and where he was going, what he could do with it, applied it, and you know, went to the championship twice, holds records in the NBA that will stand uh, for as long as I'm probably standing. And um, you know, it's been fun watching you boys grow up too as we sit here doing this stuff. Cause y'all are little snot noses in here. We are. Man. Flies, it's been man. probably 11 years since the last time I saw you. Uh, we, you talked before one of our preseason games, yep. and I only remember because I was the closest one to you. You put your hand on my shoulder, but that was the first time I seen somebody over six five. Like my dad is a tall guy, at six five, but six ten. I was like, oh shit. Uh, I might. I might have. I didn't do anything. You didn't pee yourself. No, I was, I was right. close. Oh. But then I, I remember, I'm Italian too, so my mom was like, she's going to have to do my laundry. And I'm, like, hey, I'm not dealing with that again. <laughs> yeah. That and, awesome. and just, as we've been talking about through all this, I mean, you and me go way back. I mean, I'm, I've been very, very fortunate to be through every stage of your career, it feels like. I mean, I still get chills watching old games of you. I was watching the... Um, Warriors when they won their seventy third game when they went seventy three and nine and watching you were on the Grizzlies and I was like oh my god this is fucking Chris like I'm watching another game of Chris I totally forgot about my memory and there's so many like so many fun moments like I mean that 2013 championship just because you're like a brother to me I mean that was one of the biggest moments in my life because I mean seeing you everything you've overcome seeing everything you and my dad have gone through. I mean, that was overjoyed just seeing that. And seeing you lift Larry O'Brien, it was so much fun to watch, man. There's been so many great moments in your career. Um, I'm very, very glad that you were able to do this because there's another side of you. Because people think that you're this big, scary motherfucker that just that just has screw you on his wrist and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I, I know I know you're a, you're, a little, you're a teddy bear at heart and you got a good heart. Watch your mouth about my sweater. <laughs> Watch your mouth about my sweater. I know you got a good heart. I'm a teddy bear enemy? I don't you're know. You're a teddy bear in your shirt, dude. I'm going to go to a commercial break real quick. Don't be mad. But before we close out, we are going to have a little bit of special thing. Chris holds two records that are very, very not well known, but we are going to do a giveaway. Yep. Um, if you check That's our right. Instagram, if you check our Twitter, we will have a post 
of I think it's either gonna be shoes or a jersey. Right, so let's do a jersey. Autograph yeah, we'll do jersey. we'll do a signed jersey of Chris's. Um, you have to answer both questions correctly, um, and uh, you have to DM DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, if you find if you are able to answer both of them correctly, you will be sent the jersey um, at the end. For um, sure. So the, that'll be that'll be on our Instagram. If you're listening to this on Friday, it will be on our Instagram and on our Twitter. Both of those will have a signed jersey, and yep. um, if, if if you are able to figure out what those both those were, we'll send those jerseys to you. Um, is there anything else you want to no, say, Chris? It's incredible. Congratulations on y'all getting picked up by Network. That's awesome. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you. No, I think it's a lot of fun seeing you guys, and I think Chris's message is special to a lot of people out there. So I wanted to give you guys a shot to say hello and. You know, I hope it's inspirational to people, which is what Chris has been, and there's no end to it. It's going to keep going. Keep we're, going, bro. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you boys, it's nice to see you doing your thing, other than wiping your noses when you're little punk asses. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I appreciate this a lot. This is, uh, I mean, we've been trying to, we're getting this thing off of the ground, and having somebody like you on, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. So, I, I appreciate this a lot. Thanks. And all y'all listeners, go out and vote. Yeah. Okay. Everybody vote. There you go. Your vote counts. I like it. All right. With that, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. This is a dollar bell piece. Was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be. Started with nothing. We had to inspire to be. Out of physics and head to me. I'm getting to it. Feel like the man. I got the plan. I got the shooters. They all but the van. Play with the squad. Get piled like a slam. Piled like a perk. I'm going here. I'm going crazy. I'm yeah, sticking up for nigga. Like that music. I look a slam. I'm in the kitchen. Compressing the bird. Take out a nine and I sell it for 30.